You're you not dead, crooked. You made that up. This place is Anthropos. Will there be a little ride on Space Mountain? Race take off, baby. Hogan comes back. This guy went to flash you. Get up against a chain link fence and rake yourself across it. What the fuck are you doing? He got me all flabbergasted. Where does he come up with a thousand holes? Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 25 of the Nitromania podcast. My name is Adam, I am your host, and this is the show that is ever so slowly driving me to madness. This is episode 25, 25 of course being the percentage DNA overlap of an individual with their half-sibling, grandparent, grandchild, aunt, uncle, niece, nephew, identical twin cousin, or double cousin. It's also the number of Pikachu in the National Pokédex in the Pokémon franchise, and if I were doing one episode of Nitro a year, this would mark Nitromania's silver anniversary. Thank God I'm not doing that. Last week on the show, Jason joined us to talk about Super Brawl 6 and the Nitro that followed. We had the sudden departure of Brian Pillman, the sudden change of heart of Miss Elizabeth, and the sudden appearance and disappearance of the Y in Scotty Riggs' name. We were also promised Randy Savage's rematch for the WCW World title and possibly Hogan vs. Anderson Part 2. So let's get to it. It is Monday, February 19th, 1996, and we are live from Salisbury, Maryland. The Nitro logo above the entrance gets the full My Time Triple H treatment. We get some spinny sparklers, things explode above the ring, and what a night, Eric Bischoff promises. Ric Flair defending the WCW title against Randy Savage tonight. Heenan reminds us that Flair's got woman and Miss Elizabeth. Savage has a bad arm. He says he also has a bad back, a bad neck, and a broken heart. Bischoff reminds us that Arn Anderson beat Hogan last week and tells us that that's never happened twice. Mongo says he's looking forward to Hogan's ultimate revenge tonight. And that is your opening contest. Arn is accompanied to the ring by woman. Hogan enters and the screen goes black. This causes Bischoff to awkwardly stop talking. Hogan still has the butterfly bandages on his eyebrow, but is no longer wearing the bandage that covers his eye. So remember, folks, getting spiked in the eye with a stiletto heel is easier to heal from than getting your elbow smashed into the ring post. Bischoff then takes a pot shot at Vince. Hogan starts the match by pulling Anderson's jacket over his head, so he's wearing it upside down and backwards, and this somehow incapacitates Anderson. Hogan knocks him down about four times, and they head outside the ring. Hogan then chokes Anderson with his jacket because he's a good guy. And Bischoff tells us that Hogan spent, quote, a lot of time on the shelf, unquote, at the end of 1995 after he was suspended. And as you'll recall from prior episodes of this show, a lot of time on the shelf was a whopping six days. Hogan remains in control until Anderson blocks Hogan trying to smash his face into the turnbuckle. He rakes Hogan's eyes and smashes Hogan's face into the turnbuckle, then goes up top. He jumps, and Hogan clotheslines him on the way down, regaining control after about 15 seconds. Hogan then chokes Anderson on the mat, like full-on, hand-around-the-throat, chokes him, then bites his forehead, and then chokes him again, and then bites him again, because remember... He's a good guy. He then chokes Anderson against the middle rope and rakes his eyes. 
Good guy. Bischoff reminds us that the WCW episode of Baywatch is on tonight. He lists off the WCW stars on that episode, including Vader, who Eric says tucked his tail between his legs and ran from the company after a physical altercation with Paul Orndorff backstage. Mongo reminds us that this is about revenge for Hulk, and apparently revenge means fight dirty, be an asshole, and book the match as an extended squash. Anderson has had maybe two offensive maneuvers in this match. Hogan chokes Anderson with a Hogan bandana he borrowed from a fan, then throws him in the ring and slams his face into the mat three or four times. He then chokes Anderson with his boot on the bottom rope. Anderson goes back in control for another... 10 seconds or so, and then literally takes one punch from Hogan and throws himself over the top rope to the outside. Anderson takes control for another eight seconds, and then the five moves of doom, except instead of the leg drop, he puts Anderson in a shitty figure four. Anderson grabs Nick Patrick in his pain, and Kevin Sullivan runs to the ring. Savage runs out and kicks Anderson out of the ring before he could do anything. Nick Patrick turns around, sees Savage in the ring, and calls for the disqualification. Note that Nick Patrick did not see Randy Savage actually do anything. Savage never actually touched Arn Anderson at all. But Patrick, who in weeks prior has seen Anderson in the ring during a few of Flair's matches, has seen Hogan in the ring during Savage's matches, has seen Hogan hit Arn Anderson with a pair of brass knuckles during a match between Hogan and Flair, and all of those times has done nothing has decided that Savage just entering the ring is grounds for a disqualification tonight. <sighs> so, two weeks in a row now, Arn Anderson has gained fluke victories over Hogan, and the announcers, specifically Brain, tout this as unprecedented. Dumb. 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 Fuck you, Hulk Hogan. Up next... It's Alex Wright versus Loch Ness. Speaking of Alex Wright, can anyone remember the last time there was a cruiserweight match on this show? Anyway, Wright enters when we return and we have more video issues with the camera in the aisle. Alex backflips into the ring and they show a woman in the crowd in a Hogan shirt who looks almost bored. Loch Ness enters to some generic dramatic movie music that in the beginning kind of sounds like the Universal Pictures theme. Go back and check that out. It's terrible. And we go to break. We come back from break for the bell. Wright gets more offense in against Loch Ness than Anderson did in his entire match against Hulk Hogan. I swear to God. Alex stays on offense until Loch Ness just kicks him in the gut to counter an avalanche in the corner, drops an elbow on him, and pins him. Three, well, two moves. Two moves and a lateral press. That's all Loch Ness had in this match. Bischoff promises more action, if you can call that action, including the title match when we come back. This Saturday night, it's Chris Benoit versus Johnny B. Bad for the TV title, Scott Armstrong versus Conan for the U.S. title, The Road Warriors, and Sting and Luger versus Public Enemy. Enter the Belfast Bruiser when we return to the arena. The Belfast Bruiser is Fit Finley in a half-leather jacket, half-football shoulder pad combination, and an amazing mullet and mustache. Ugh. Glorious. Ugh. Just... Fantastic. His opponent is Brad Armstrong. Brad Armstrong is wearing an extremely patriotic jacket. We then go to break. Mongo tells us that this match is a rematch from Saturday. Then Heenan talks about the cruiserweights. Apparently, Finley and Armstrong are cruiserweights. 
Finley has the offensive until, much like the first match, a blocked head smash in the turnbuckle, but again, much like the first match, Finley goes back on offense shortly thereafter. Momentum switches a few more times in short succession, then Finley goes after the leg, smashing Armstrong's hamstrings into the apron of the ring and then the ring post itself. Bischoff tells us that Eddie Guerrero will challenge Conan for the United States Championship at Uncensored as both men fly over the top rope and to the floor following some kind of crossbody from Armstrong. Back in the ring and a backslide gets a two count, a boot to the face and a bulldog by Armstrong leads to a back suplex, but a ducked clothesline leads to a tilt-a-whirl power slam and a pinfall victory for the Belfast Bruiser. Bruiser yells into the camera that he's looking for Lord Steven Regal, so apparently that's a feud. Up next is your world title match, Ric Flair versus Randy Savage. Back from break for Flair's entrance, Flair, as mentioned earlier, is accompanied by both woman and Elizabeth. Savage, apropos of nothing, is wearing black and white. He is accompanied by no one. And his arm? Still taped. Of note, the top of the world championship title is bent for some reason. Also of note, the belt still says Macho Man on the nameplate. Bischoff says this was done to rub salt in the wound of Macho Man. I think it's just a lazy production assistant. Randy starts off on the offensive, just taking it to Flair, but Flair counters a 10 punch with an atomic drop and Savage rolls to the outside. Flair follows and Savage ends up in the front row. Flair chops Savage against the barricade, then Savage chases Woman to the back. This distraction allows Flair to hit him with an elbow and beat him against the barricade in the aisle. Woman runs back and hits a very strange looking eye rake, like she was squeezing invisible lemons onto his face and Savage stumbles back into the ring. They chop and punch back and forth. Savage whips Flair into the corner, but eats an elbow on the follow-up. Savage goes down. Flair flops. Then we get a standard top-rope Flair spot, followed by Savage putting Flair into the figure four and a couple of near falls. Flair gets to the ropes, and Savage takes forever to break the hold. Flair counters a sleeper hold with a side suplex, and both men are down. Savage sprawls over to Flair and gets a two-count. A big, stalling vertical suplex by Flair, and both are down again. All I know about Woman thus far is that she shrieks. A lot. Flair stomps Savage a couple times and picks him up. We trade chops and punches again, then a shinbreaker by Flair, and now Savage is locked into the figure four. Savage manages to roll it over, and the hold is broken. Savage counters a hip toss into a backslide for two. Savage blocks a punch and hits a punch of his own for two. Flair backs into a corner and takes Savage down with a wicked chop. He pulls him to the middle of the ring and chops him down again. We go back to trading punches and chops. There's a theme here. Then Savage spits in Flair's face and Flair begs off. Ten punch gets to four. Savage avoids the atomic drop this time and knocks Flair down. Irish whip to the buckles and Flair barely gets back body dropped. Flair goes into the corner and over the to the apron and takes a clothesline on the apron. Savage then comes off the top with an axe handle. The match then devolves into utter chaos. Savage signals for the elbow and Elizabeth jumps up on the apron to distract the referee, who is, once again, Nick Patrick. If this were the opening contest, this would have been a disqualification. Woman then tosses her high heel with an arc that would make an Ephus pitcher blush. And of course, Savage catches it instead of Flair. Remember what I said last week about someone on the writing team having a footish, a footish, nice, a fetish for women's footwear. I'm leaving that in. Fuck all y'all. This is only proving my point. Savage clocks Flair and throws the shoe out of the ring. 
The Taskmaster runs from the back like his ass is on fire as Savage pins Flair but only gets a two count. Hogan then appears as Sullivan has done almost a full lap around the ring, grabbing woman's shoe in the process and hops up on the apron. Again, in the first match, this would have been a DQ. While Nick Patrick is dealing with Hogan and Sullivan, Arn Anderson runs in the ring and DDTs Savage. Flair then pins Savage for the three and retains his title. Everyone ends up in the ring at that point, except for women and Elizabeth, of course, and Hogan goes after Sullivan, despite Sullivan not really actually playing a role in that decision. Hogan punches Sullivan, rakes Anderson's eyes and punches him, and Flair goes after Hogan's knee. The three heels beat on Hogan until an unidentified individual runs out and they switch their attention to him. This unidentified man fights off the trio of heels and closer inspection once he clears the ring reveals that it's Ed Leslie, now sans Zodiac makeup. Great. Given the trunks that he's wearing, I'm going to guess that this is the debut of the booty man gimmick you may have read so much about on WrestleCrap.com. Leslie then runs to the back as Bischoff seems to recognize him but doesn't actually put a name to the face. He runs faster than the heels can actually clear out of the aisle, though, and needs to be awkwardly held back by Nick Patrick. Meanwhile, in the ring, Hogan tends to Savage. Leslie returns to the ring while the heels storm commentary once more. Flair grabs a mic. He rambles until Leslie runs up and chases them off. Hogan then runs up and starts yelling at Bischoff, who tries to hold his headset up to Hogan's mouth so other people can hear him. Then Mean Gene... Pull up your socks and get ready. Appears for the first time tonight. Weird. With a microphone to try and help, and Hogan calls Leslie the booty man officially. He also challenges Flair, Anderson, and Sullivan to a six-man tag match next week. Savage runs up with the title and argues with Bischoff about whether or not the title is his. It's not. You got pinned, remember? Then Hogan starts yelling again about the mega powers and how the booty man is now back on track, quote-unquote. Gene confirms the challenge, and then Savage butts in, talking about how this will be the real war to settle the score. Subtle. While he screams that, Gene has a look on his face like possibly he just shit himself out of fear. Booty Man reappears, makes some very strange faces, and runs off again. Bischoff says that if they want it done, it'll get done. Gene gives control back to Bischoff and Mongo. I have no idea where Brain went or when he left and leaves, saying he's going to try and get some more information from them in the back. Please don't. Bischoff promises the six-man again next week on Nitro. Mongo says he's been saying all along that Hogan has needed more backup, and that's just what he got. Bischoff then closes the show and sends us home. What an absolutely bizarre finish to that episode of Nitro. As a whole, the episode was acceptable, I suppose. The opening match just pissed me off. There's no way that Arn Anderson should fight anyone for as long as that match went and only get about a minute total of offense in. The Loch Ness right match was a squash, of course. The Bruiser Armstrong match came out of nowhere, but was actually pretty decent, and the main event itself was good up until the overbooked finish in its aftermath. I wouldn't say this was a bad episode of Nitro. It's just weird. Also weird was the fact that there were zero promos until the very, very end. A fact I didn't even realize until Gene came out to the booth and I remembered that I hadn't seen him anywhere before tonight. If you go back and watch anything, I'd say, honestly, the Finley-Armstrong match. It's actually a pretty good match and you get to see Finley's weird jacket and amazingly awesome mustache. This episode holds a 4.92 out of 10 on Cage Match and garnered a 2.9 TV rating. 
Meanwhile, over on Raw, we are live from Cincinnati, Ohio, the night after In Your House 6. Razor Ramon defeated Goldust by countout, saving the Intercontinental Championship for the Golden One. Razor then cut a promo saying, Goldust, I don't want your belt. I want your ass. Which is an odd thing to say for someone who is so offended by all the homoeroticism. Razor then calls the interim WWF president Roddy Rowdy Piper, so maybe he's been listening to WrestleMania Salvation. He then says that he doesn't want his kids watching this kind of stuff on TV. After saying he wants Goldust's ass. Huh. So he tells Piper to make the match so he can rid the WWF of Goldust once and for all. We then get an awesome ad for the WWF Superstar sweatshirts in the WWF store. Doc Hendricks then sends us back to In Your House to recap Shawn Michaels versus Owen Hart and Bret Hart versus Diesel. If um if the Undertaker dragged Diesel under the ring and it's a cage match, shouldn't Diesel have won because his feet touched the floor first? Anyway, we also get a recap of Bulldog versus Yokozuna, which is interrupted by Vader storming the ring. He beats up Barry Horowitz and Aldo Montoya, who were scheduled to fight the Bodydonnas. Yeah, right. Then a return vignette for the Ultimate Warrior and an ad for WrestleMania tickets. Sonny then sings Happy Birthday to the President. For no reason whatsoever. Bob Backlund, meanwhile, is in the crowd campaigning to become President. The Ringmaster, who is now completely bald, and he looks awful familiar, puts Marty Jannetty to sleep with the Million Dollar Dream. Also, Vince calls him Stone Cold after the match. Not as a nickname, mind you, but as a descriptor. Then another Mankind vignette, the one that all of his sound clips for WWF The Music Volume 2 came from. An ad for the Slammy Awards and a promo for next week's Raw. Then The Undertaker pins Tatanka following a tombstone after Diesel destroyed his casket backstage. Taker is then shown footage of Diesel destroying his casket and he heads to the back. Then Larry Fling Live, the latest Billionaire Ted skit. And then, finally, The Undertaker mourns his destroyed casket. This episode of Raw has a 4.43 on Cage Match and actually beat Nitro with a 3.1 TV rating. And that does it for this episode of Nitro Mania. I thank you all for listening. If you have any feedback, please let me know at my brand new contact places. You can email me at nitromaniapod at gmail.com, N-I-T-R-O-M-A-N-I-A-P-O-D, nitromaniapod at gmail.com, or on Twitter at nitromaniapod. If you'd like to support the show and all the shows here on the Rundown feed, you can make a one-time donation by going to paypal.me slash rundownwrestling, or you can donate monthly by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash rundownwrestling. Just a $5 a month donation makes you a rundowner, which gives you access to bonus episodes, second bonus episode coming soon, that will not be available anywhere else. You can join Mike Smathers over there as the soul rundowner currently but let's grow that let's get more maybe we can do extra stuff you can also check out all the other shows on the questionable endeavor network by going to questendnetwork.com take a listen and consider checking out this fine program do you like scary movies you have been invited to the slasher sanitarium come join us as we talk about horror movies, horror fiction, and horror television. Subscribe now to the Slasher Sanitarium. New episodes coming soon. (laughs) 
And please tune in next week as we continue the march towards Uncensored on another fantastically maddening episode of my coming.